It's worth knowing what's really going on. This is the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. Donald Trump has been indicted in Atlanta. We have so many court dockets to follow, but we haven't really seen anything yet. The Atlanta Journal-Constitution has covered every moment of this historic case. I've been writing about this investigation for two and a half years. Our team is led by reporters Bill Rankin and Tamar Hallerman. Follow our coverage on AJC.com and listen to new in-depth episodes of the award-winning podcast, Breakdown, the Trump Indictment, only from the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. You all can learn something new by subscribing to the Atlanta Journal-Constitution's new newsletter called Unapologetically ATL. It's all about the people, the events, and the entertainment happening in Metro Atlanta that Black people might want to know about. So subscribe today at www.ajc.com slash unapologetically ATL. This, my friends, is Access Atlanta. It's a new podcast that shares the best things to do, see, eat, and experience. Welcome to Access Atlanta. I'm your host, Shane Harrison, and this week I'm here with AJC reporter Bo Emerson. Howdy, Shane. So tell us what you brought us this week. Well, I just came back this afternoon from uh, checking into the Cyclorama again, which is going to open up after uh, three and a half years of work uh, and restoration. It is really uh, impressive to look at now. It looks, if you haven't seen it, ever, uh, you will be stunned. But if you have seen it when you were a little kid and you were brought by there as a, uh, on a school field trip, you will see something that looks very different. It, uh, the lighting, the setting, and everything, it's, it's pretty great. And of course, I'm a fan, as you can tell, because yeah. I've written about this thing a hundred times. <laughs> Let's remind folks exactly what the cyclorama is. This is a painting that is longer than a football field and is about 47 feet high. And it is a cylindrical panoramic painting. They call them panoramic in uh, Europe and cycloramic in this country. And they were, in the 1880s, a big deal. They would uh, paint them about various historic scenes and would uh, 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 set them up in temporary buildings. People would come and pay 10 cents a ticket and come and see them. And most of them have either burned or been thrown away or disappeared. And there's only two left in this country. One is at the Gettysburg um, uh, battlefield and the other is here in Atlanta. Yeah, I, I'm amazed that, that, that I mean, that to survive because they, they've been through so much. Well, this one in particular has been through so much. It's had two uh, buildings collapse on it. The roof's caved in. It's been a, sort of left outside in a box for, for four weeks mm -hmm. or so while the uh, city figured out what to do with it. It's uh, had several misguided uh, restoration, some of which have helped it to survive from to the present, but hmm. others of which have caused it all kinds of other problems. Yeah. And uh, and yet it is still it is still with us. Um, and uh, that's not even including all the many risks that these things faced back in the 1800s when right. they were displayed in in buildings that had gas. Uh, 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 lighting so that most of them just burned up. Yeah. <laughs> I was amazed that, I mean, pieces of it 
have been like cut away in order oh, yeah. to fit. Yeah, they didn't they didn't plan very well when they built the first building for it in 1921. I mean, they called it a permanent uh, building, but they didn't measure the circumference of the thing, so <laughs> they turned out they were 10 feet short. Oops. <laughs> oh, wow. That's amazing. And I I learned some other things recently about it's like that this was originally it was um sort of a, a commemorating um, a Union victory, obviously, because it was the the Battle of Atlanta, which, you know, they won. And uh, it was painted in Milwaukee by a group of German and Austrian painters who they were brought over here to do this because they were the ones who knew how to do it. It was a European right. thing. And uh, but it was a group of Union soldiers who had uh, who were basically the, the consultants on it mm-hmm. and and a group of uh, of investors from the upper Midwest and such who wanted to basically send this out as a as a as an as a venture, uh, an entertainment mm-hmm. uh, venture to make money on. And they usually made money on these things. They made right. a lot of money on them. Right. Nobody had TV to, to, to keep their attention back then. This blew people's <laughs> minds. Right. Uh, that's one of the things Gordon Jones talks about, and you'll hear from him later on. He talks about the fact that uh, in that era, there were not, first of all, there wasn't color photography. Right. There, weren't, there wasn't even that much photography, period. Mm-hmm. You saw woodcuts sometimes in the, in the newspaper and magazine reports on the Civil War. But, um, but you would, if a, a person in the 1880s would walk into one of these buildings and look up, and 50 feet above them would be the top edge of this painting, and, and 360 degrees around them was this, this full-color scene teeming with carnage, and it just mm-hmm. blew their minds. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, it's it's hard to imagine in this day and age for people to imagine how, how that would affect someone. So now it is um, restored and put into a whole brand new facility. Right. Uh, purpose built for it. Yeah, now, and if you're not from Atlanta, you didn't grow up uh, as, a, as a school kid being sent to a to go on a field trip down to the Grant Park to see it in its old building, right. uh, which lots of lots of kids were. It's kind of an antebellum-looking uh, structure with, uh, you know, like columns in a Greek mm-hmm. uh, uh, temple uh, above, and I think it might have had a Confederate flag out in front of it for many, many years. Yeah. Um, this, uh, the new building uh, was part of a... Um, uh, seed money was given uh, for it by uh, a, a, a businessman from Buckhead, and that was in, enlarged with with additional money for the restoration and also even an endowment to take care of it in the future uh, okay, so yeah. that it will always be cared for. Yeah. But if you uh, go, are going down West Basis Ferry past the History Center, which is where it is. Yep. I don't know if we mentioned that yet. Right. Uh, you will see this cylindrical building, and inside that uh, is, uh, is the new cyclorama. Cool. So, and you talked with uh, someone who I talked to Gordon Jones, who is the military historian at the Atlanta History Center. Ah, okay. And uh, uh, he he not only spoke about sort of the military uh, uh, story that's that is told by this painting, Mm -hmm. but he spoke about um, what the painting says about how history is remembered. Whoever you are. That's that's how you hear history, and the painting being interpreted by different groups of people, uh, it, it tells you uh, that things are malleable, that images even are malleable. You can mm-hmm. look at them and, and see what you want to see. And right. they, they don't try to tell you what to see, but they use that as a way to tell you 
think about what you're seeing. Right. It's Gordon Jones. I'm the senior military historian and curator at the Atlanta History Center. I started out working with our Civil War collection, but now I've become um, the uh, on-the-spot expert on cycloramas and other art-related forms. So entertainment of the 19th century and also Civil War memory, what we call the whole field of Civil War memory, which is how people, various people in America over the last 150 years have remembered, constructed, misremembered, made myths, how they have dealt with this whole experience of the American Civil War and slavery. Well, what am I most excited about? You can watch visitors who maybe have never seen it before or maybe they have seen it, but they're seeing it again. When you see them and they're asking questions and they're engaged and you know that they're, they're, they're wondering about this artifact and it makes them ask questions and they're learning from it and, and, and they're stimulated by it and they're, and they're happy. That, that, that's, a, that's, a, that's, that's something where we want, you know, t t the pleasure of learning and the pleasure of education, seeing something anew for the first time and maybe seeing some perspectives that they'd never seen before and thinking about some ways that the Civil War has been shaped and mythologized, not always, in many ways, not a positive thing over the years. But let's finally get past that and let's, let's, let's Think about this as a learning experience. So when I see people coming in here and having that experience of learning, that's the payoff, because that's what we're here for. That's great. I, I think that's that's a great lesson that, that history is, is not always, you know, so easy to interpret. That, uh, well, and, and, it's, and, and it's interpreted differently by different people, right. and even an image right. uh, is not, you know, it can, can be changed uh, the 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 interpretation of it can change i think that's fascinating and you know they say the winners uh, are the ones that yeah. uh, write history of course the losers write their own history mm -hmm. too, so, right as we all know and yeah. and uh but the the thing to do is to look at the history that you see and and uh try to figure out what what am i what am i bringing to this right i think that's one of the one of the things one of the lessons from this this painting but to me the most amazing thing about it is just standing in front of it and looking at it and saying holy mackerel look at this thing it's, yeah it's gargantuan yeah. it really takes your breath away right the main challenge here in this final phase was to put down the surface of the diorama which is fiberglass this is um, the, the original surfaces on these things were dirt, but for obvious reasons, we can't have dirt in contact with the painting, so it's fiberglass. The figures, the little plaster figures, are from the 1930s. Now, we were putting them in as part of the historical artifact. Uh, it doesn't date to 1886 like the rest of the painting, but it is something the figures have been with the painting for such a long time that they have become part of its history. So we're putting those back. Um, and most of those, I think we're down to the last uh, maybe two dozen that have to be put in. So, Yeah, it's a pretty impressive thing. And, and, and I love the fact that, you know, it's in a brand new home and it, you can see it anew. Even if you've seen it before, um, this is sort of a new way to look at it. Just like uh, there are different ways of looking at history. Now you have a different way of looking at this particular piece of history. Yeah, I 
I recommend it. And uh, by the way, the the tickets are timed just like going to see the Infinity Mirrors. Mm-hmm. So you uh, uh, are going to uh, want to perhaps uh, go online and get yourself a ticket in advance because right. a lot of the days it opens on the 22nd, but uh, many of those uh, those time slots are filling up pretty fast. Right. So, uh, so pick yourself a time that, that you like. But is it, these are just basically general admission tickets to the History Center, but when you purchase those, you pick a time that you want to see this. I believe that's right, yeah. yeah. And, and uh, uh, the, 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 the timing is such that you spend part of that time looking at this presentation, which right. is, a, is a 12-minute thing. I, I'm told it goes by very fast. I still haven't seen that. And then, then you have a, um, another good period of time just to basically stand there and wander at your own will right. th- around the perimeter of this viewing platform and seeing the thing the way that they saw it back in, in 1886. Right. And we should probably mention that it's also accompanied by the locomotive. Oh, that's uh, right. The yeah. Texas, yeah. right? Which has always been its companion at its previous yeah. location as well. Yeah, yeah. And the, of course, the Texas has gone through its own uh, uh, beautification and uh, uh, is is very much part of the part of the whole story. Um, the uh, and it's in a separate um, sort of uh, viewing room, uh, glass fronted room. So you'll walk. You can walk right past and enjoy the Texas on your way to the Cyclorama. Right. Okay, awesome. Well, great. Well, thanks for uh, for bringing us the story. I think it's 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 a fascinating thing, and it's it's certainly very much a part of Atlanta's history. Um, it is. It's the Battle of Atlanta. Yeah. And in the Battle of Atlanta. Uh, Essentially, what Atlanta was kind of ended, and what yeah. Atlanta was going to be began. Yep. All right. Well, let's uh, hear Bo's story from the Atlanta History Center on the new home for the Cyclorama. Uh, I'm Gordon Jones. I'm the military historian and curator here at the Atlanta History Center. Fundamentally, the painting needed a new building, uh, and that's that that was that's that was the big step forward in the thinking even though it had been there for 90 years even though it had been there for 90 years and a lot of people were sad to see it move well of course i mean you know i'm i'm i was too in a, in a way and uh once it was here that's when the restoration started happening that's correct so we moved the painting in february of 2017 so two years ago um and then the the challenge over the next year from 2017 to 2018, was to resuspend the painting, to put in the sections that had been missing, which was a two vertical strips and seven feet of sky, mm-hmm. and that is no small engineering feat right there. Right. What we're talking about is an historical artifact. This is what people saw back in the day. This is what excited people's imaginations back in the day. That's what we're after. So uh, this is July 22nd, 1864. Tell about what happened on that day and how this painting sort of represents that. Sure. The, um, the, the, the backdrop on all this was that a lot of the other battles that had taken place in the Civil War, particularly in the, in the so-called Western theater, had already been painted. Uh, Atlanta, or the Atlanta campaign, was the, was the great campaign of 1864 that had not yet been painted. And so that had a lot to do with the decision to, to paint this one. This was actually one of the, the, the last of the Civil War cycloramas to be painted in 1886. Um, 
but they they chose the Atlanta campaign because also because of its just historical significance. Uh, this was the campaign that essentially, by capturing Atlanta for the Union, uh, assured that the outcome of the war, uh, that, that the war would continue for emancipation for the reunion of the states because it assured the re-election of Abraham Lincoln, who was in political trouble, and he needed to show, show a doubting northern public that the war was winnable. Well, the fall of Atlanta showed that the war was winnable and put him over the top, and that is the, the last great turning point in the Civil War. And, but it's also a place where a whole lot of, of uh, northern veterans fought, and the, a lot of these guys were from the upper Midwest, which is exactly where these paintings were being made, Milwaukee and Chicago. So they wanted to see where they had fought. They wanted to see what they had done and how they had contributed to saving the Union and defeating the rebellion. So this, this whole thing was done without thought of the Confederate cause. This was done purely as a celebration of, of the Union victory. And it was, by and large, also very much a white thing. Okay, This was very much about white veterans. Uh, there were no United States colored troops in the Battle of Atlanta or in the Atlanta campaign as combat regiments because Sherman did not allow them. But that doesn't mean there weren't black men in the battle. There were some in the battle, served as stretcher bearers, cooks, and other roles, and so forth. But for the most part, by the 1880s, and especially by the time you get to the 1900s, the emphasis in across the nation, especially in the North, was on reconciliation between the North and South. It's, it's that everybody needs to just forgive and forget. And what we're going to do is we're going to do that on the basis of, of the solidarity, so to speak, the solidarity of the white race. And we, we can, as North and South, they agreed that they could agree on that the white race was the superior race and that, you know, that, that um, uh, segregation was okay and walking away from the promises of reconstruction was was actually you know okay that's fine we're just going to walk away from that which is why you don't see uh, very many faces of color if any at all in this painting there's one there is one person of color in this whole painting and if you look at this single black figure uh, he's on a horse and next to him is an, another horse without a rider and there is someone laid out on the ground, and there are two Union soldiers. And one of the Union soldiers has his hand up in the air and his finger up in the air as if he's making a point, as if he's talking to the African-American on the horse. What are they saying to each other? Uh, are they saying, is the white guy saying, oh, you're free now? Is the uh, black guy saying, well, I saw the rebels over here, and this is my report on the enemy. Uh, what are they discussing? The artists don't tell us. But what this is, I think, in my mind, is the artists are including this vignette as a way to say, okay, this was a war also for emancipation. But it's and a pretty small uh, it, 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 exactly. point that they're making. Exactly, that's the thing. It's, because that's the way that they were thinking. That's right the there. way they were thinking about it. So, yeah, okay, so here's emancipation, but it's just a little, you know, by the way, we, we quote, unquote, we, you know, freed the slaves. That's, that's, the, that's the myth, right? 
as opposed to what we know what really happened was uh, African Americans in, in large measure freed themselves, you know, not not completely. There was there's push and pull on all sides, right? But the uh, perception for middle class white northern audiences who were going to be paying to see this painting was. Yeah, we were we were on the right side of history. We saved the Union. We freed the slaves. We made everything right, and this painting is a celebration of what we did. That's the way the Northern audiences were thinking about it at the time. And you gotta always remember what this painting meant when it was originally painted. It became something entirely different later. Right. Right. When it came south, it became this sort of you know memorial to the lost cause, the Confederate lost cause. And instead of looking at all the Union soldiers, and instead of looking at the the African American on the horse, you're looking instead at the Confederate soldiers and the Confederate officers. And you know, so it depends on whether your glass is half full or half empty. What you see in the painting. Let's see what's happening in and around Atlanta over the next ten days. Alvin Ailey American Dance Theater returns to the Fox with more of the company's classics and some premieres of new works from February 21st through the 24th. This year's repertoire includes the Ailey classic Revelations, first performed in 1960 and set to a suite of traditional spirituals. Lazarus is a new work inspired by the life and legacy of company founder Alvin Ailey. There's also a new production of Juba, the first work choreographed for the company by current artistic director Robert Battle back in 2003. The Alvin Ailey American Dance Theater will be at the Fox Theater February 21st through the 24th, and tickets are $29 to $89, and you can find out more at foxtheater.org. The man the Guitar Player Magazine has called the Jimi Hendrix of the ukulele is coming back to Atlanta for two shows at City Winery on February 24th and 25th. When Jake Shimabukuro pronounces the name of his instrument, it's a beautiful murmur floating on a tropical breeze, ukulele. His instrument gets a bad rap, but Shimabukuro's remarkable musicianship is enough to make the ukulele cool again. Just check out the video of the Hawaiian musician performing the Beatles classic While My Guitar Gently Weeps on YouTube. The popular clip has logged more than 16 million views. And check out his take on Bohemian Rhapsody while you're at it. Jake Shimabukuro is at City Winery in Atlanta at 8 p.m. February 24th and 25th. Tickets are $30 to $45 and you'll find them at citywinery.com Atlanta. The list of musicians that Dev Hines has worked with is astoundingly long and varied. Hines, who currently records and performs as Blood Orange, is coming to Atlanta's Variety Playhouse on February 25th. He's worked with Blondie, Britney Spears, Carly Rae Jepsen, ASAP Rocky, Solange Knowles, Mariah Carey, Basement Jacks, Kylie Minogue, and Philip Glass. I doubt that there's anyone else in the world that that sentence could describe. His music is almost as diverse as his list of collaborators, touching on indie pop, R&B, punk, funk, and electronic experimentation. He began his career in the British band Test Icicles in 2004. After his stint there was done, he released a couple of albums as Lightspeed Champion, and he's up to four as Blood Orange. Check out Blood Orange at Variety Playhouse and Little Five Points on Monday, February 25th. Tickets are $29 to $34 and are available at variety-playhouse.com. 
You might think of the Center for Puppetry Arts as a kid-centric kind of place. And while it is very kid-friendly, there's a lot for adults there, too. In addition to the nostalgic pull of their collection of Jim Henson creations, they also offer thought-provoking and visually stunning works for teens and adults. On March 1st through the 3rd, they'll host performances of Ashes, an emotional thriller about a mysterious series of house fires in a small Norwegian community. Presented by Plexus Polaire of France and Norway, and based on real events, the performances are part of the Center's New Directions series for adults and teens. It's recommended for ages 14 and older. Shows are at 8 p.m. March 1st and 2nd, and 5 p.m. March 3rd at the Center for Puppetry Arts in Midtown. Tickets are $30 to $35, but members get a discount. Get all the details at puppet.org. For more things to do in and around Atlanta, go to AJC.com. Our senior editor is Nicole Smith. Podcast edited by Bria Felicien. Music by Bo Emerson and Billy Guin. And I'm your host, Shane Harrison. Join us next week for more Access Atlanta.